Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. We have to make sure that it gets there with integrity. They want more features, but they want to see less hardware. We are very much focused on others just as an industry. This is the Market Scale Pro AV Show, hosted by Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Your weekly B2B kickback for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration. Sound check complete. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Market Scale Pro AV Podcast Show. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And this is episode eight of our podcast show format, which is pretty exciting. We're approaching that 10 mark, which uh, is a pretty good sign that, hey, if you've reached 10, you're on, <laughs> you're on a good track because you haven't, um, you haven't failed yet. That's kind of <laughs> where I take my mind when I think, all right, hey, I reached 10 episodes of something. That means that there's definitely a future for this. So I hope you feel the same way because we have plenty of content to get your way and we don't want to stop giving it to you. So please keep listening. We will keep supplying the content. This time around, we have two solid features. But before we dig into those features, I actually want to invite my cohort and my colleague in the writing world at MarketScale, Mr. Jeffrey Short. Jeff is coming on to tell us a little bit about a new piece that we released on MarketScale Pro AV recently. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks a lot for having me back on so quickly. Uh, Happy to be on episode eight. You know, I think we're approaching binge watch territory. I I would have to agree. But uh, Finally filling up that library catalog, so it's uh, it's been good to be here and uh, chip in in any way I can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we always appreciate having you in the studio. So this piece that came out on Wednesday of this week it takes a look at Pro AV applications during the holiday season, which... I guess doesn't seem that foreign, right? It almost seems like the perfect use of Pro AV technology, but until recently, it wasn't really that accessible. Well, yeah. And I mean, like you said, it it doesn't seem foreign. It seems like a very natural fit. I mean, it's the season of light, right? Right. So um, one thing I think that has stuck out to me in covering AV uh, now is it's about standing out. So how are retailers using it to stand out from a traditional storefront, Um, things like that. Mm -hmm. And now with the holidays being upon us and lights being everywhere, it's even more important to stand out because now even if you had a pre-existing AV uh, display in your window, if you're a retailer or a theater, for example, um, you know, now you're competing with every store <laughs> across the country, really, that has their Christmas holiday lights up. So how can you use those pro AV uh, LED boards, things like that to mm-hmm. your advantage and make them really unique to the season, but also uh, stand out when you're dealing with so much more traffic, uh, not only hopefully customers coming into your store, things like right. that, but traffic in the lighting space. Right, right. And I think it just goes to show how traditional retailers are evolving what they do during the holiday season. I mean, in this article by Samaj Watts, right, she maps out how Saks Fifth Avenue has this popular theater of dreams tradition that has been going on for almost 100 years. But this year, they decided to add a new element. So not break away from the tradition, but really enhance it. And they added a digital storytelling animation along with their classic window vignettes, which just goes to show that implementing this technology doesn't 
dilute the OG experience, really it adds. And if you do it tastefully, it can really enhance and transform the experience into what people remember it as. You know, people might remember the tradition over those 94 years. If I mean, if someone's alive that's seen it all 94 <laughs> years, props to them. I think they might have a different opinion of change, but sure. Right, exactly. Now we're getting into generational differences here. But for the people that maybe have seen this and they're a little younger, um, adding this technology might become the new standard for them. And then now going forward, that's what they associate with this. And so I think as a retailer, as a company, or just anyone looking to either advertise or create an experience for their customers, using something like digital signage is the perfect route because it just, it feels so authentic now. It doesn't feel... um, niche it doesn't feel uh out of place it feels almost expected yeah absolutely i think you use the perfect word for it it's an enhancement Mm -hmm. so like i said earlier there's always going to be a ton of traffic in the lighting space this time of year but how can a institution a new york institution like uh, Saks fifth avenue that like you said has been doing this for i think 94 years now um they've been known for this sort of holiday uh, not light show, but sort of just decorating their store in such a festive way. How can they take it to another level? And and they need to. You know, I think everyone is looking for that edge, obviously. So having digital storytelling, I think that's another key piece of this whole thing. And we actually had a story last week that you guys touched on, on mm-hmm. creating content for these video boards. But it's no longer enough to wow someone with your lighting, your Christmas lights, you have to convey your story in that time where you do catch their attention. And I think that's where the digital signage, LED projector lights, things like that are really um, going to make a difference. And this time of year with so much uh, shopping volume, it, it can be the difference between survival in the retail world and entertainment world. So, yeah, that's uh, so these true. technologies are making a huge difference. Yeah, and what I really liked about this article, too, is this isn't a very B2B aspect of the conversation, but it's still interesting to see how the technology has changed. You know, it mentions that companies like Amazon and Best Buy have really made this relatively advanced, or at least until recently advanced, pro-AV technology very accessible to the masses. And I think the fact that your traditional light projections or more advanced um, professional audio are becoming more accessible for your modern homeowner is forcing the industry to innovate and adapt even more. It's like, okay, well, if if Susie down the street can do what we were doing a couple years ago for a corporate location, then what are we doing? You know, it's time to step it up. It's time to try something new and innovative. So uh, I think it's only the beginning now. Uh, I mean, eventually, <laughs> I think we'll be able to see homes plastered with digital signage, right? And I mean, like really crisp digital <laughs> signage. And we're, we might not be that far away from that reality. Um, but until then, I'm excited to see how other stores utilize things like digital signage, things like interactive displays to enhance the holiday season. And uh, yeah, just create some unbelievable memories for their customers because that's what the holiday season's all about, at least in my opinion. It's all about unforgettable memories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think storytelling is a big part of the Christmas experience. Uh, 
you know, everyone knows her classic Christmas tales and all True. that. So the night um, before Christmas, right, exactly. The digital signage was on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they were talking too much about LED boards yeah, uh, when these uh, classic tales came to uh, to their day and age. But uh, yeah, like you said earlier, though, I do think that it will come to the home. Um, you know, I think growing up uh, being you know millennial or whatever, but uh, you did see a little bit of the projector come to life. Sure, um, maybe more in recent years, but. I think we're going to look at that as pretty primitive, actually, in a couple of years when you do see things like LED boards kind of becoming, I don't know, maybe they're not going to be stapled outside people's houses and things like that, but <laughs> right. I think it will be implemented into the home in a much uh, more significant way. And uh, who knows what kind of experiences that might bring or right. what that could bring to the table for uh, people's Christmas decorations or for sure. at least more affordable to rent or something for those people that so. go above and beyond mm-hmm. with their absolutely musically timed um, yeah, outdoor they, yeah, everyone knows the people on their street that are just fanatics and they're probably uh-huh. chomping at the bit for this uh, technology to become really accessible for uh, you know the public consumer well thank you so much Jeff for giving us a little more insight into this article where can our listeners find this uh, the story will be up on our Pro AV page. It, it was released yesterday on Wednesday, so uh, you can check it out there. It's written by Samaj Watts, one of our great writers, so uh, check it out. It should be on the front page. Wonderful. All right, well, thanks again, Jeff. We always love having you on, and have a Merry Christmas. Absolutely. You too, man. All right, so we've got two main pieces of content for the show today. First up is a feature on someone in my very industry. MarketScale host Elmer Guardado spoke with Jonah Peck, an Australian content creator, and both take a look at how Pro-AV gear has become more commoditized and accessible for the consumer. For content creators, this is especially exciting and at the same time, a bit frightening. The barrier of entry is so low, you have to have a unique offering and style to stand out. Quality gear is just one way to do that. Peck explains how he partnered with Audio-Technica and explores the relationship between AV giants and the creators who use their gear. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado, and thanks for joining us on this Pro-AV feature. With quality consumer AV equipment being more accessible than ever, we decided to talk to John O'Peck, a content creator from Australia, who self-started his own podcast and self-published his first novel. Jono explains how the accessibility of consumer AV gear helped him pursue his dreams, how he partnered up with Audio-Technica, and how his setup has evolved over time. So Jono, thanks for joining me. Tell me a little bit about putting in work and uh, firstly, yeah, let's get some context first. Tell me a little bit about putting in work and then uh, tell me about The Spy and the Maven. Yeah, cool. So putting in work is my weekly interview podcast where I talk to different creatives about their... Uh, I guess career journeys, whether they're artists, musicians, game developers, photographers, comedians, whatever it is, I talk to these people with a creative skill about how they got to where they are, the work that happened behind the scenes to make it happen. And it's a chance for them to give their advice to people that want to do the same kind of thing as them. And tell me about The Spy and the Maven, a book I've actually read. Wow. (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, The Spy and the Maven is my debut novel. Um, that's the book that I released last year and uh, self-published through a bit of crowdfunding 
through like a, I guess it's similar to like a Kickstarter where people can do pre-order copies and you get enough, you know, basically you get enough money to do an initial print run and ship out, post out the the copies, which I did, which was really cool because, you know, people all over the world through my network of, uh, you know, my online community that I've built over the years were able to support that and my family and my friends and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I guess uh, it's, it's one of those situations where without your uh, community online or your audience, whatever you want to call it, your uh, network, it, it just wouldn't have happened. And similar, I guess, with my podcast too. So how, how is the first episode of Put in Work different from your most recent episode? Yeah, I mean, it's changed a lot because at the start, I was interviewing someone in person at a convention. So I had like a, you know, a, a portable microphone that I borrowed from a friend and it was like f- three models out of date and it was a noisy room and I just sat there and kind of guessed about how the audio levels would sound and yeah, that sounds okay, let's go. And it was kind of messy. I edited together the intro and outro that I do separately when I got home with the same microphone. And uh, yeah, from there, it was kind of like, okay, I, I guess I know enough people in my real life that I can get a few episodes under my belt talking to these creative people. And then one day I was like, I can probably talk to people over like Google Hangouts and Skype. I know other podcasts that do that. So let's see how that works. And from there, that kind of opened the floodgates to a whole you know, audience of potential guests that I could talk to. And over time, I, yeah, like you said, I upgraded my equipment to get something a bit more reliable than the portable recorder, something that actually is meant for podcast recording. Yeah, it was just a a gradual progression. As you improve something, you, you want it to be better in every way. So if you feel like you're picking up a bit of an audience or you're getting better at interviewing and, and editing than you want to have the best mic that you can. So that's basically how that went. So tell me about the, uh, give me like the tech breakdown of, of what you're using now, what goes into making an episode of putting in work, uh, you know, happen. Yeah. Well, if we're going into like every detail, I, I usually line up my guests through just emails and Twitter DMs. That's a question I get a lot is how do you get onto these people? And, and yeah, usually it is just, I look at their bio or their website and it has an email address. So you, you hit them up, then you either get onto Google Hangouts, like we're talking now or Skype or whatever their preferred uh, platform is to, to talk to people in different places. And then I sit down at my laptop, which is in desperate need of an upgrade and uh, record on my Audio-Technica 2020 microphone, which is fantastic. They uh, have been partnered with the podcast for most of this year, which is really great because they've got some really great equipment and I use their headphones and stuff too. Uh, And I just record through Audacity, which is a free editing software that anyone can get. It works on Mac, it works on Windows. Uh, Some people prefer something a bit more powerful, but really for podcasting, it does everything that you need it to do. You can uh, you know, manipulate sound if you if you need to make it louder or to normalize or EQ it, or if you want to remove background noise, it does that just fine. So, yeah, the the barrier to entry is so low with podcasting that you know, aside from maybe spending 150, 160 bucks on a microphone and some decent headphones, 
that's really all you need because everyone pretty much already has a laptop and you can download the software for free. So talk, talk to me about this partnership with Audio-Technica. How did that spark up? And uh, I mean, obviously, we know how it's helping you, right? Like you're, you, you, you got some upgrades, but how did this come to be and, and, and what does this partnership look like? Yeah, so essentially, it came up through the network that my podcast is part of, which is the 8-Bit Collective. It's a, a group of about 20 podcasters in the geek and pop culture sphere in Australia. And the kind of the flagship show on that network is the hungry gamers and and those guys had an audio technica partnership going for a couple of years so i talked to the host of that and the head of the 8-bit collective brendan and i was like hey do you have any contacts that i could you know hit up with audio technica do you think they'd be interested and he said that he'd have a chat with them and i basically separately put a pitch together saying this is how many downloads I get every week. This is what the show's about. And because I'm talking to creative people, whether they're YouTubers or musicians or podcasters, people who use microphones or are at least um, using, you know, that kind of equipment, it's relevant to them. It's also relevant to the listeners who are interested in those people and also interested in podcasting because you know what it's like as someone who's done some podcasts. The community is very close-knit and I've found even just from, you know, having this partnership with Audio Technica that, you know, my friends who podcast will be like, oh, that's that's cool, like, and they want to check out the equipment as well. So I put that together and the, the guy over at Audio Technica Australia was like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll send you some stuff. And he sent me some headphones and a microphone and a bit of swag, some T-shirts and stuff. And it's been really great. Like we attended PAX Australia as the 8-Bit Collective this year and worked at the, oh no, we didn't work at the Audio Technica booth, but they set up a, a station to record different people could come in and record their podcast there. And they had like 8-Bit t-shirts with Audio Technica branding. It was really cool. And it gives you a bit of credibility towards your product, I guess, to be associated with a professional company. There's not any like money exchanging hands. It's more just a win-win for both sides. And I think that that's what makes it really cool because for them to just give away a couple products and for us to be able to say, you know, powered by Audio Technica at the start and end of the podcast, that's really all it involves in the, you know, at the base level. And uh, it, yeah, just adds a lot, I think, to your credibility. With how technology has just become like so accessible and so, you know, you talk to so many of these creative people and, and I've listened to your show, so I know a lot of them are self-starters, right? That, you know, very much have a similar story to how putting in work started. How do you think like the, the, the landscape has changed and, and shifted with the accessibility of all these, you know, kind of AV equipment? I think uh, just the improvement of the software we're using right now, like Google Hangouts or you know, FaceTime, whatever, whatever your preferred platform is to do video conferencing, like that is such a huge thing that I, I imagine 10 years ago, it wouldn't have made podcasting possible. Like I know that we've had Skype and that for a long time, but now it's, it's so crystal clear and great. And the lack of lag that you can have a conversation and it can feel natural, like the person's in the room with you. And, and I've had people kind of surprised at some point when they realized that I wasn't in another city to talk to that person that I was doing it over, you know, the internet. So I think that that's probably the biggest thing for like the sh kind of show that I do. And 
also just the accessibility of equipment that plugs into a USB, you know, port, like a, a microphone that just plugs straight in and you don't have to install any drivers. You don't have to, you know, download any software. It's just ready to go. And I, I don't know a lot about the evolution of this kind of equipment because I've only been podcasting with it for a few years, but I, I think that, you know, there w- was a time where you needed a mixing board and you needed to use that kind of more uh, less entry level stuff to, to create a sound that worked really well. Right. And I, and I definitely agree with you there. And it's a, it's a, it's a sentiment I, I share wholly because I've had so many moments just, you know, through production and different projects I've worked on. And you have these moments where you're like, oh, wow, that was way easier than I thought it was going to be, or that was way more accessible than I thought it was going to be. So it's really fascinating how many of these, you know, if we look at the software side or, or something like Google Hangouts, right? Like Google Hangouts is free. Audacity is free. And obviously when you talk about equipment, you know, you're not talking about free, but like they're accessible all of a sudden, right? Like I'm using, I actually use the same mic as you, the AT2020. And like, this is a a professional, you know, hopefully you're hearing this and you're, you, it sounds good to you, right? And, and, and like, it's a totally, af- it's affordable equipment. Whereas when I was looking into, you know, getting into it, I was imagining of, of uh, that I was gonna have to spend maybe three, four times what I ended up spending. And, and it's fascinating, right? Like you and I are what, 13 hours apart in different countries and, and yeah, we're having a free flowing conversation without any struggles. So it, it's, 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 it's crazy. And the other part of it is to like, if you want to see the, what the actual process and experience of doing this is like before you invest, like you can just record into your iPhone. Like I've interviewed guests who've done that and I've just, you know, done a little bit of editing with their audio and hopefully no one really could tell that it was significantly different equipment to what I was using. Uh, and by the same stretch, I just had a photographer on my podcast who started off taking photos on his iPhone and he'd take some really great photos. And then he was like, this is cool. This is working for me. He upgraded to a GoPro and then eventually he, you know, exhausted his options for the kinds of things he could create with a GoPro. So he bought like a really expensive DSLR and you can apply that same thing to anything. Like whether you're a musician, you might start with a cheap guitar, then you upgrade, you get a few pedals and then you get the great amp when you realize that it's something that you want to invest your time into. And you can do that with podcasting as well, I think. Jono, thank you so much for for talking to me. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you putting up with the time difference. Oh, it's a pleasure, Elmer. It's the middle of my Saturday, so I'm happy to do it. Again, that was MarketScale host Elmer Guardado with Jono Peck. I got to tell you, I really can't get over that accent. I think Australian accents are my favorite, and they also happen to be the ones that I'm worst at impersonating. So I am not even going to give you the pleasure of listening to my horrible interpretation of what an Australian person sounds like. Um, It's probably just going to be offensive. So (laughs) time to move on. Our next and final piece came together after a podcast in studio with Aaron Rubner of Avtech and Robert Parsons of Taurus Technologies. The three of us chatted about AV and furniture and how functional and aesthetic interior design has become a staple for collaborative and up-to-date workspaces. Parsons had such a firm grasp for this market in Pro-AV that I knew I couldn't let our collaboration end there. Parsons needed his own corner. 
This is the first of a monthly segment that is aptly named Robert Parsons Hot Market Corner with Robert Parsons. Mm, gotta love it, to the point, does not beat around the bush. But on this Hot Market Corner, we're taking a look at what the Hot Market of the Month is and why it's popping for Pro AV. This time around, we're looking at the Video Walls Market and the tech that's making it a leader in the industry. All right, so obviously joining us on his own corner, it's got to be Robert Parsons, VP of Sales for Taurus Technologies. Robert, great to have you back on the podcast already. Um, I was telling listeners you have been on in person, but this is our first remote podcast. It typically doesn't go in that order. It's typically remote, then in person, but you flipped the script on us. (laughs) Yeah, Daniel, thank you for having me back. Yeah, it's great for you to be here. And you're joined by Corey Church. He is the VP of Technical Operations for Taurus Technologies. Corey, great to have your insights on this hot market corner as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's jump right in. Robert, this is your hot market corner, and I know we're going to be talking about video wall technology today. Really looking at why it's such a hot market this month and what changes in the technology, in the distribution, in the implementation is making it one of the markets that Pro AV installers, manufacturers, and distributors should be investing their time, money, and energy into. So, Robert, let's just lay it all out here. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners why you think the video wall is the hot market of the month? Well, we've seen over the years the progression of larger format display solutions. And um, we've seen that go from projection technology being the dominant factor for many, many years into flat panel displays. And now with uh, technology built into the products, plus the availability and overall price point, we see video wall technology really dominating the market. Anything... uh, from something that would go into a meeting space like a small conference room all the way up to stadiums, um, hotels. We see them in large office buildings. And there's just a large array of applications where we're starting to see that that style of product set. Yeah, and I mean, I know I've seen it at least in conversations with uh, some of our other guests, you know, they've described uh, the way video walls are being implemented more and more in corporate settings and then obviously being used for large events. Uh, where are you seeing video walls within the space be used most? I guess which which market within the market is popping off the most? Well, I would say um, a lot in healthcare. I think that they're probably one of the top consumers of video wall technology because they're looking for something that offers them the high crisp high definition video display and at the same time they're looking for that longevity Um, and those those couple of factors along with a lot of other things really put them ahead of the game against other competitors in the medical market well and i think the other driving factor is size i mean let's let's face it um we as consumers are are kind of inundated with bigger is better. So uh, not only the healthcare market, but all other markets are like, you know, what's the biggest right. display I can put in here? Well, you know, a, a single large format display can only grow so big and still fit through a door. So a video wall is your, you know, your single next best option to beat out traditional projection, projection options. 
So how are you seeing this actually affect the industry? Are you seeing distributors push for video wall products more and more with their clients? Are you seeing manufacturers develop uh, more commoditized but still high-level video wall solutions? Um, Is the whole industry shifting toward providing more and more video walls? Or is this something that is still sort of just starting to pop off and the industry still needs to respond? I think it's it's starting to get hot now. Um, it's been around in our industry for many many years, but people right. Are- it's it's not a new thing, which it which I guess you know is it's interesting that it's now just really catching fire. Um, I, I guess pause on that last question. I do want to know why do you think it took a, so long for it to catch on on such a ubiquitous level? I think it's the dollar. Um, I think now with such a competitive price point that they offer for true video wall technology, it's no longer a, and that'd be nice to have. It's really a, we, we need to have it. Right. Okay. So now back to the other question, because the price point is being brought down, why or how is that affecting professionals in the industry? Well, it's, I mean, it's like anything else when it becomes more affordable, you're, you know, you can add it into your space without breaking the bank. I mean, you know, previous to that, again, you were kind of stuck with, at least large format, you were stuck with projection options and, um, you know, bulb life and uh, dim dim qualities of a projector are, are not that suitable to uh, large, brightly lit rooms. So uh, when the cost of LCD and LED technology started to come down, uh, the consumers in this case uh, took notice and were like, hey, it would be awesome to have this technology in these spaces where we previously could not afford to do so. So Robert, how have you personally, I guess, worked to elevate this market? Uh, Give me some examples of some client interactions where maybe they didn't really think they wanted a video wall, but because it's becoming a little more accessible, because the technology is getting crisper, it felt like the perfect solution. You pushed for it. They went for it. Yeah, certainly. So I think we're seeing, and I mentioned a little earlier, how we're seeing them in many different spaces and different settings. So we've had situations where um, we've worked, say, for example, with a museum here in Texas that, you know, didn't really think that a video wall application for the size that they were looking for was going to be correct for them. It, it It's a right. space where they have the doors open a lot of the time and it's subject to the elements of Texas, as we all know, can be a little brutal sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, educating them on the availability of the products, even though... Um, you know, it's been in everybody's mind that, gosh, we can't really have a a piece of electronic like this susceptible to the humidity and the other elements. And that's not the case anymore. So we were able to outfit them with an extremely large wall that allows them to play their content back and really at a a 16 by seven time period for, for their viewers that come into the museum and other applications we talk about okay, you've got this executive conference room and somebody's saying, like Corey mentioned earlier, yeah, I want the biggest flat panel available. Well, when you get a hundred and some odd inch flat panel, you can't always bring that in through a, a six foot door or you can't always get it into the space that you wanted to have it in. But when you bring in video wall technology and fine pixel pitch, you can show people, hey, this is this is extremely crisp and we can think outside the box. It doesn't, you don't have to be bound by 
a, a particular size anymore. We can build it to the need of the content. Which I think is so representative of just the client and um, company interaction that exists nowadays, no matter what industry you're in. It's all about that personalized user experience and uh, the fact that we're seeing this in interactive displays, in video walls, is just a telltale sign that Pro-AV is evolving in the same way. So that leads me to my last question, which is, okay, this is the hot market of the month. Do you see this remaining a hot market? Uh, do you see this having staying power or do you think video walls will uh, rather quickly or I mean a couple years doesn't feel like quickly but in the grand scheme of things it is so when I say rather quickly that's what I mean do you feel like it's going to get supplanted by something else uh, I'll answer that I, I think it's actually just getting started hell yeah um, I, I think we're on the what the precipice of, of this this revolution as the technology gets better and the price continues to come down, the market's going to further adopt this. And I think in the uh, in the commercial spaces, you're going to see large flat panel displays, 80, 90, and 100 inch being replaced with, you know, maybe quad video wall or even a six by three or six by six video wall because the installations are getting easier and easier and the infrastructure is... Uh, not quite as required as, say, a 400-pound, 100-inch uh, LCD or LED display. So we're just getting started. Yeah, and to expound upon that, I, I feel like that a lot of people, when they this will give them the opportunity to think outside the box. So think about it, video wall technology being more of an art piece. In an open area, you can build video wall technology to be more of a mosaic and with the power of digital signage, coupling those two together, the sky is the limit. And I think when people start to realize that and start to see these implementations that are being done, they'll catch on to that and it'll make this arena, this hot product we're talking about right now, even hotter. Well, I'm excited for that even hotter future. Um, you know, it is the winter months, but I'm excited for some hot markets in Pro-AV. So, Robert, thanks for joining us on your first Hot Market Corner Corey, thanks for tagging along as well. It was great to have your insight on video walls. And I'm looking forward to next month getting you back on chatting about the next hot market in Pro AV. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. We got to get you back in studio too, Robert. So I'll be in touch about that. I'm looking forward to it. I love it. All right. Peace, y'all. Take care, buddy. All right, everyone. Unfortunately, that does it for today's episode of the Market Scale Pro AV podcast show. I'm looking forward to the next round, but till then, we need to take some time off. I'm about to head home. I'm about to put on some snuggable pajama pants, a bathrobe, make some hot chocolate, toss on the Rudolph Christmas special, and I'm definitely talking about the Claymation one because it is hands down the best Christmas movie of all time, and I am relaxing. It is time to enjoy the holidays. I hope you all get to enjoy them too, whether that's with family, with friends, with significant others, or with your dog or cat. I mean, whatever the option is, I'm, I'm hoping that everyone has a nice break from the daily grind and hopefully it's a time to reflect on blessings in life and uh, looking forward to what 2019 has in store. I mean, wow, I can't believe we're already talking about 2019. Pretty incredible. But yeah, I really enjoyed this show. Specifically, I think this episode showcases some great 
examples of how Pro AV is becoming more accessible for everyone and how the market adapts to this commoditization, how professionals look to push boundaries once whatever felt innovative is now you know, being used for Christmas lights by your modern homeowner. So yeah, I felt like it was a pretty comprehensive show, definitely jam-packed, even though we were a little shorter on the features, right? Only two main features and one conversation with Jeff, but I hope you enjoyed it, and I'd love to hear what you thought about the show. Please shoot me an email with any thoughts, any suggestions about the next piece of content at daniel.litwin at marketscale.com. Again, shoot me that email, daniel.litwin at marketscale.com. Would love to hear from you. Okay, everyone, happy holidays. And again, if you enjoyed this episode, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure to leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. I typically say till next time, but I think I got to wrap this one up with a little holiday cheer. So I'm going to say Daniel Litwin, voice of B2B. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Take it easy, y'all.